There is a dark place, but I'm not going there. No, no, not on my way. There is a dark place, but I'm not going there. No, no, not on my way. Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Lex. And this is Or Learn Parkour. This is a podcast about ADHD done by two people who who, who really do. We really have ADHD. We have gotten our booties kicked by ADHD the last couple weeks team so thanks for sticking with us here yeah I think we're not alone in the fact that the entire month of November or has it just been a a decade in one month who's to say the entire decade of November yeah has been rough now imagine that but mentally ill yeehaw (laughs) yeah uh, thank you for being patient with us uh we had recorded this episode and we didn't feel like it was up to our normal standard and so we wanted to re-record this and try to get back on the proverbial horse. We're just all aboard that western metaphor today. You said yeehaw and I was like, horses. I don't know. We got them horses in the back as Lil Nas X foretold. I can't, I cannot stand you. I'm going to move Aren't out Aren't you now. so glad we have a podcast together? I hate you so much. Love you too. <laughs> um, yeah, horses. No, I respect it. We're, you know. we're sticking together on this theme, and I love it. And yeah. I was never a horse girl, so I'm not quite sure what material I've accumulated to keep rolling with it, but I'll do my best. That's fair. Yeah, no, my latent horse girl energy, if it wasn't clear already, I'm here to let you know that <laughs> I was, in fact, a horse girl. She sure was. Um. Not a rich horse girl, like not the type of horse girl that could actually own horses and shit like that, but I definitely still rode horses for most of my young life. But I feel like the scrappy horse girl is a very powerful mood because it's not just like I asked for a horse and I got it. It's like I went out and did the work and found horse. Yeah, you know me. I just went out into the wilds (laughs) like Pokemon. At the wee age of eight years old and just found a giant hoofed animal and I was like, I'm gonna ride that. Is that not how that works? No. Oh. You would think, though, from every single movie about horses. Yeah, I didn't have Um, wilds or, like, fields or prairies growing up. I just had sand. Well, and your family also isn't a farming family and you weren't in a super rural community and you didn't do 4-H and... I did do 4-H, actually. You did? I did. I did do 4-H, but it was more the, like, homemaking type stuff. Oh, okay. So you did, like, the crafts and everything? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I no. sure did the crafts. I, I entered some decorated cakes. Mm. I won some things for decorated cakes. I did, like, a cooking demonstration. Shout out to Caitlin Forbes, my uh, smoothie partner in crime there. Love wow. you, girl. I had a bunny. Yeah? Named Roxy. Oh. After the character in Chicago. Mind you, I was age? in fourth grade. Oh, incredible. <laughs> and um, I showed her at the Van Buren County Youth Fair. How'd she do? We got, I want to say fourth place. Hey, that's not, well, I, how, that's not bad. I was going to ask how many rabbits, but I'm going to let you have know. that. I don't I don't remember anything. I just like <laughs> remember that my rabbit had a harness and a leash and I had to learn all of the different parts of a rabbit and oh, how wow. to like, you have to like flip them over and right. like handle them mm-hmm. in front of the judges mm-hmm. and you have to like prove your knowledge of rabbit body parts and here's the thing 
it's really cute when it's like a velvet rex rabbit which Mm -hmm. is what i had when it's like a rabbit that is specifically meant to be a pet or a show animal Mm -hmm. um because a lot of the rabbits that are shown at fairs are for meat and so that's why like when you see people showing calves steers Mm -hmm. dairy cows obviously don't have to you, you don't have to sell your dairy cow for meat because they're a dairy cow yeah um you can but you know uh you have to memorize all of the different portions of muscle and mm-hmm. meat on all of these different animals it's like smacks roof of cow this baby can fit so many meals in it yeah for you and your family a little bit not that callous thank you for that but like it is really interesting to think about how like i showed a calf when i was in fifth grade Mm -hmm. or i almost showed a calf there was some weird i don't my memory is so hazy when it comes to the youth fair too because my memory is hazy about everything but it is weird to think i yeah that's fair yeah and also i think aging (laughs) also true Um, yeah no i had a calf and i'm assuming nothing good happened to her but also i was in fifth grade so i don't know Anyways, yeah, so th- th- I don't, this is wildly off topic. I just, I was a horse girl, uh, but I did never run around on all fours at recess or anything. Mm. I did wear a cape once to mm. recess in elementary school, but unrelated to horses, so. I was going to say, I ran around on all fours at school, but it was college and that was the class, so. That's different. Like, you know yeah. what video I'm talking about, right? Like that one person who runs like a horse and like does like jumps and stuff. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, no. I think I had blocked that out until you... (laughs) Yeah, no, it is so deeply upsetting. The human body moving that way is -hmm. is deeply upsetting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I never did that. I'm glad. Um, Did I sometimes pretend that my bike was a horse while, like, riding around the area around my parents' house? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe so. That's so valid of you. Thank you. But yeah, no, I never did like, I was never that kind of horse girl. That's super fair. Um, All I'm saying is you are more of a horse girl than I was, which means that your knowledge of horse terms in general, Western adjacent. Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. I hear Riding oriented vocabulary is going to have to keep us afloat here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like the good news is that that's not what our episode is actually about. What is our episode actually about? So our episode is about... Well, I guess, you know, I bet cowboys did once engage in this because you kind of have to when you're <laughs> there's that's nothing. Sorry, that's nothing. cowboys did once engage in what? A mutual aid. Ah, yes. And that's not a euphemism, kids. Today we are talking about <laughs> mutual aid, the community organization practice. Which, like, I bet cowboys did because that's how human society works. Yes. Were they also engaged in some other activities? Wink. Wink. Maybe so. Well, that, sh- that should be mutual if you're oh. taken care of. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm going to move on from this. I mean, consent is important, yes. Um. So, I... <laughs> hello? This has quickly gone so far south. <laughs> So far um, off the rails so quickly. Happy November. Let's let's uh lasso this one and rope it back in. Oh yeah, let's uh take this one back onto the ranch now. So So today we are talking about mutual aid. Uh this is something we both thought was really important to cover with all of the uncertainty in the world right now and the increased visibility of mutual aid in many different communities this year. We wanted to talk about it and explain a little bit of what it is if you are not familiar with that. 
or you have been seeing that concept kind of thrown around, uh, share a little history and talk about why it is something important to the ADHD community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, now I, I'm just thinking about like communally oriented cowboys and I'm just, my heart's warm. I feel like it's like that stone soup story with chili. The stone soup story where like everybody brings an ingredient and throws it in the pot. Isn't that stone soup? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's like a like a folk tale where like a whole city bands together because no one has like a ton of food and they're like, oh, well, I just have these carrots. I don't want to eat plain carrots. Like, oh, I just have like a rock. I can't eat a rock. But then they like to put the rock in the fire to heat up the water and add the carrots and like everyone bands together and they make a soup. Cool. I didn't know that was a folk tale. It just sounds like a... Yeah. Or maybe it was like a children's book or something. All I'm saying is I'm imagining that, but with chili. Okay. Hell yeah. All around the fire. Yes. Montana skies overhead. Hopefully some cornbread. Okay. Yep. Sure. Hell yeah. I'm not a huge fan of cornbread personally. Don't. That's all right. More for me. Don't take it out on me. But (laughs) yeah. Okay. So please, sweet mercy, Jordan, (laughs) can you take me away from this cowboy hell that I've trapped my little brain in? Can you take me out of this weird Schrodinger's cowboy <laughs> in my head? Can you please? I, it would be my honor. Deliver me from this. Montana? I do. I do miss Montana. It's it is so a beautiful pretty. state. It's it is a very beautiful state. But let's talk about this thing that our podcast is about, yeah. shall we? So for those of you who are not familiar with the concept, mutual aid is technically... Any concerted collaborative effort to provide aid within a community. It is largely horizontal in structure. It differs from charity in that it is not one group giving to another. It is interpersonal and it is marked by like giving and receiving. There's not one group that is receiving aid. And there's not one group that is giving aid or in charge of the aid because they are the organized people or the rich people or what have you. It is giving and receiving in a network largely based on your community. And in terms of the use of mutual aid in social activism, it is service and organization in the community in direct response to the powers that be that have neglected to provide the necessary resources that mutual aid is looking to provide. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you give me that in like a elevator pitch version? And by elevator pitch, I mean like a very fast elevator, because I think that was technically the elevator pitch, but like (laughs) an elevator that's like going to the top of a high rise that's just like zooming. Like if there was a high speed train elevator? Yes. And as if I was the one actually in the elevator with you, so Mm -hmm. you do need to, like, take it down a notch with the bigger words and just hit me with the bare bones. Gotcha. Okay. In summary, in elevator pitch, mutual aid is solidarity, not charity. Cool. Okay. Nice. How's that? Sure thing. I am a little curious, though. When we talked about bringing this to this episode, I asked you, what does that have to do with having ADHD? I am so glad that you asked. This is an important thing to talk about, I think, with any sort of mental health oriented or neurodivergent community, because there are resources for you in mutual aid. But there are also, I think, especially for folks with ADHD, some opportunities that we have to give aid that other people might not. 
Okay, so what you're saying is people need community, Mm -hmm. and having ADHD does not make you exempt from needing community and help from other people, and is that that what you're saying? That is so true. I see that, and I up you. Having ADHD automatically puts you in a community with other people who have ADHD. Okay. And so once you're in that community, you got to figure out how to give and take, right? Like you got to figure out that balance of hell yeah, what can I bring to the table? And mm-hmm. what else did people bring to this fun little buffet mm-hmm. that I'm creating in my head right now? We want a very balanced potluck. This is not going to work if everybody drinks desserts. I mean, it will. I, I take that back. That would be a great potluck. It's not going to work if everybody brings drinks. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. I was like, what is she going to say? Because if she says like potatoes, <laughs> false. We I will all I, live off the potatoes. And I thought potatoes and I was like, no, that's still a good option. Yeah, no. Drinks though. That makes sense. Nothing substantive. Because that's not food. It's yeah. good and you need it's, it with food. You do. You do. But, but that's just a cocktail party. It's true. It's a different thing. It's just going to a bar. God, remember that? Oh, those were the days. I dreamed a dream in time. Okay. All right. Okay. Anyways, so (laughs) today we are talking about mutual aid. We are going to share a little history around it. We are going to talk a little bit about why mutual aid is gaining some traction today. And then we are going to hop into some of those things that folks with ADHD can give and take from being involved in mutual aid and some resources to dip your feet right in that. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Buckle up, everybody. Also, you may notice that it's a little bit more low energy than we normally bring for y'all. And I will reiterate, we have ADHD and it's been a time. So we're doing our best. (laughs) It's the holiday season and that is busy and overwhelming and sometimes wonderful ways and sometimes very tiring ways and a lot of times both ways. Yeah. So basically, we're going to do our best to be funny, but also this is a topic that we both think is really worthy of making that genuine and honest space Mm -hmm. for it. Because when you actually sit and think about it and face what's happening in our country and in this world, it's just so heavy. Mm -hmm. And I think that for Jordan and I, when talking about doing this episode, when things are that heavy, you can't carry that alone. Yeah. And I think that's the whole... That's the whole point here. So yeah, I don't want to like keep repeating everything that Jordan is saying, but like I, I really just want to like reiterate, I guess, of like, yeah, we're not being as goofy right now, but also this is something that can, you know, needs, this is something that needs to be talked about. Absolutely. So, and especially now, I say especially now, like we haven't been practicing mutual aid since the beginning of humanity, but when talking about ways to make community right now for posterity, the end of November 2020, while we are still amidst a pandemic and many other things, Uh, making community is really hard, but it is more important than ever. Mm -hmm. And finding Mm -hmm. community and getting involved in a community you might already be technically in is very important. And like I said earlier, operating on the base definition of mutual aid as any collaborative effort to provide aid within a community, that's how we've made it this far. That's how we've had communities that's existed since the beginning of humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In an activist sense, 
the first definition of mutual aid as we know it now was from Peter Kropotkin, who was a writer and socialist. I don't know how to define that job. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess technically organizer is organizer, like the modern yeah. day equivalent. Yeah. Were they called organizers in the beginning of the 1900s? I have no idea. And he was Russian, so I have no idea what the word for that was. But mm-hmm. in 1907, mm-hmm. he wrote, You studied in Russia. Why don't you know everything about Russia? Because I was there for a month and we had translators. That's fair. Thank you, Katya. Thank you, Olga. Anyways. In 1907, Peter Kropotkin wrote a series of essays around this concept of mutual aid and positing that working together as a community was the most fruitful, the most healthy, the most effective way of building society. And Mm -hmm. his actual quote translated is, in the long run, the practice of solidarity proves much more advantageous to the species than the development of individuals endowed with predatory inclinations. Okay. okay. So that's, I guess, to paraphrase, like keeping the power to care for the community in the hands of the community rather than giving it to a small group of people who are not inclined to use it with other people's best interests when Mm. they could get more out of it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So like, just as a, oh, completely not related at all to our lives here. Um, Mm -hmm. So would you say this is sort of similar to the relationship between employees and CEOs, uh, landlords and tenants? Uh, You know, I think um, you might be onto something there. Oligarchs and Mm -hmm. citizens. Okay. Yeah, a little something like that. Totally unrelated to anything. (laughs) You know, this is all just ancient history, you know? Just tossing it out there for... Yeah. For education's sake, mm-hmm. just for to, academia. Just to, you know, just to clarify, just to mm-hmm. double check. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that is a pillar, his definition of it, of the act of mutual aid being specifically in response to or awareness of the systems that are failing to provide in the first place. Oh, there it is. Yep. Okay. There it is. I see. Yep. I see. Mm-hmm. So, uh pretty famous application of mutual aid was the Black Panthers in California. They, oh, yeah. Yeah. They were pretty famous for their free breakfast program that served families in the Oakland, California area. They ended up feeding by the end of 1969 something like 20,000 children across 19 cities, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I will not derail us by getting into the effects and science around how that contributes to education mm-hmm. and Every other facet of life. Yeah. No, Um, uh, it's, yep. Oh. mm. But on top of the free breakfast program, they also put together programs specifically to serve and empower their community, including clothing distribution, classes on politics and economics for people to take that power into their own hands and understand the system more. Free medical clinics, lessons on self-defense and first aid, again, putting that knowledge back into the hands of their community instead of relying on somebody else to Mm -hmm. keep them Mm -hmm. safe. Transportation to upstate prisons for family members of incarcerated people, an emergency response ambulance program, drug and alcohol rehabilitation, and testing for sickle cell anemia. So that was a huge part of their mission and a huge part of investing in and empowering their community. Yeah. No, I mean, you know how I feel about the Black Panthers. Yes. Yeah. No, they they did amazing stuff. Yeah, after getting several related degrees in political science, history, 
anthropology, sociology, diversity and inclusion, etc. Mm-hmm. Did they ever? Did they ever talk about the Black Panthers? Did they ever cover that? So much, mm-hmm. and it really is wild how in general education, when you learn about the Black Panthers. It's just to talk about the Black Panther Party specifically mm-hmm. and how it related to political unrest. You, you know, we don't learn any of that stuff in school. Yeah. Nope. And um, you shouldn't have to seek out higher education to learn such a formative, influential piece of United States history. Yeah. No, agreed. I didn't learn about that until the past couple years of, like, not even in school, of hearing from you and doing my own learning. So it's interesting, because, Jordan, a lot of the stuff on that list seems uh, pretty, uh, would you say, necessary for human life to be sustained? Like food and clothes and first aid. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked about how a lot of the reason that mutual aid comes about is because people are being denied or don't have access to a lot of the things that those communities work to create. Mm-hmm. So would you say um, the takeaway here is that the systems in place that are supposed to protect citizens, a.k.a. the government that is supposed to protect its citizens, mm-hmm. its population, mm-hmm. was not doing that mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Was cool. not providing those things and was also not allowing people to try and change the rules and advocate for themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well it's hard to it quite frankly it's very difficult to focus on literally anything when you're waiting for a meager paycheck Mm -hmm. to be able to pay one of five bills Mm -hmm. and feed like your kids maybe you don't get to eat you know like yeah Totally, totally unrelated to today, though. Nick, no one can relate to that today. Um, <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Uh, and Oof. Jordan, I'll, I'll let you keep going in a second, yeah. like for in a second here. But I do want to just like, I know that people have heard a lot more about the Black Panther Party this year, especially with the collective white people that we are a part of seemed to awaken to mm-hmm. something. I don't know why it took so many of us so long. Um, I mean, I do. I know why. We all know why. But regardless, trying to focus on the fact that people are now more aware and trying to take that and use that momentum and action to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I know that a lot of y'all who are listening, if I know anything about our audience, it's that you all know these things when it comes down to, like, the history of it. But, you know, and we're and we're not like trying to educate people on the Black Panther Party specifically, but I, I do I do think that there's a pattern that we will see as Jordan continues to tell us the history of mutual aid in the United States, that the people who are forced to do this work and do this organizing are primarily black communities. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're two white people just doing our best and we have a podcast about adhd but like we can't talk about mutual aid without talking yeah, about exactly. the forces that are making that happen yes exactly and and i think just sort of that like we are not organizers professionally right like we're mm-hmm. not professional activists by any means but i think that that's something that's important to note about mutual aid is there are 
networks. There mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. definitely community organizers and people who identify as activists primarily involved in this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it is by definition horizontal, small structure, community yeah. oriented. So yeah. that's, I guess, one of the things that we also want to say is that we wanted to talk about it because we want to help you understand that everybody can get involved and it shouldn't just have to be the work of the people who've already been doing this. Right. Yeah, no. And, and my my point there, though, the reason I say that is just to like let y'all know that this isn't us trying to like veer into some sort of political mm-hmm. activist sort of role. Mm-hmm. This is us literally, as Jordan just said, explaining the resources and options that are available to all of us. Mm-hmm. Because with the way that our especially here in the United States, but generally the world is going, things are shifting in such a way that it is really becoming so apparent that the things that truly, truly stratify our society, yes, race, yes, gender, yes, sexuality, but class Mm -hmm. plays such a huge role. Mm -hmm. And so... If you are like us and you are squarely right in the working class and you are, you know, like I was for most of the pandemic, if you are unemployed, if you are working at a grocery store as an essential worker like Jordan, and if you are tired and burnt out, and if you are just so angry and so hurt by the fact that this government and quite frankly, people around the world who have money and power mm-hmm. aren't doing anything to help a majority of the global population. Like you're, you're not alone in that. And when you have ADHD on top of all of that, like we, we need each other, I guess. Yes. And I, I don't want to get too preachy. I recognize that I'm getting a little, like I'm moving my hands like AOC Jordan <laughs> King can confirm there probably. Um, Very impassioned. It's just, it's just, yeah, I just want to explain, like, we're not trying to, like, get in anyone else's lane with mm-hmm. education and activism. It feels irresponsible to have a podcast like we do about ADHD mm-hmm. and not acknowledge the very unique struggles that a lot of people with ADHD are being faced with mm-hmm. right now, regardless of where you come from or who you are. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that brings us really excellently into why this is relevant for folks with ADHD in terms of the resources that you have available through mutual aid that you might not have been aware of, but also the things that you can do as Mm -hmm. only an ADHD Mm -hmm. person. Uh So I'm going to start with resources because that is what is next on my Google Doc that I'm looking at. Hell yeah. And (laughs) we love an organized person in this blanket fort. There are organized people in this blanket fort? Where? You made a Google Doc for this. You make a Google Doc for every every episode. Jordan <laughs> may I'll think that she's it either, like, otherwise. Here's the thing: is Jordan may think that she is disorganized and all over the place. But let me tell you that Jordan is actually one of the most neurotically organized people I've ever met in my life. You may not understand it, but she is. <laughs> Anyways, um, just don't look at my sock basket or my kitchen sink. Our kitchen sink's doing okay right now. It is, right now. Um, Our house is very clean right now. That is because I cleaned it all yesterday night. Yeah, no, we we had a pre-holiday moment of clarity. (laughs) And we took out all of the trash and recycling, finally. Big day. Go us. Our house smells like a normal house. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. It's so good. Smells like Um. sugared birch. (laughs) And aloe and bergamot. 
Yeah. Thank you, Target candle section. Yeah. The real dopamine trampoline, am I right? Yeah, no. We are not immune. <laughs> we are not immune to the siren call not that is all. Target. But that actually is a good segue because with mutual aid, a lot of the way that current mutual aids, I guess, are set up is just like an opportunity for a community to come together on a Slack or a Facebook page or some way of gathering and just straight up say, here's how I can help. Mm -hmm. If anyone needs that or here's what I need. Mm -hmm. And those very often can provide you help with things like cleaning your house or getting you access to or financial help for medications or getting food to your door if you can't manage that for whatever reason, which is so understandable at this point my goodness or just like any of those tasks that your mental health can complicate that executive dysfunction Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. complicate that underlying health conditions can also complicate so it's almost like avril lavigne was really talking about having adhd in her hit song skater boy complicated Skater Boy was written about me. We know this. So it's also about having ADHD. Inadvertently. <laughs> it all comes back around. The real Avril Lavigne conspiracy. I'm not going to derail into that. This would be a very long podcast. Anyways, so those are all things that your general, like, physical neighbors, city. Sorry, I thought you were going to wait. You started going and I was like. <laughs> okay. Committing more hydroflask crimes. Slight little. Play it. Sing us a song. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. I. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this open mic night. <laughs> uh. That was a new track off of my EP. Um. If anyone wants to check out where this new track came from, the EP will be on sale in the back by the t-shirts and the old donuts thank you so much it's called my hydro flask and me we're on soundcloud also uh the drummer who plays with us sometimes does actually make candles that we have for sale as well yeah and don't get them mixed up with the donuts because they are donut shaped like ironically though they're they're shaped like capitalism eating its own tail and gluttony you know, like a sugary Dunkedin frosting Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. So anyways, anyways, thanks for listening. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Can I finish my sentence now? No. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So these are all things that are resources that are available to you through general, like, location, neighborhood, community-based mutual aid. There are also things that you can offer if you have the ability or some ideas of jumping off points for what you might be able to offer to help with with your community. But there are also specific to ADHD communities because when we say mutual aid being based in a community, that doesn't have to be the people who live around you physically. It can also be your community online. It can be your community. It can be your community that you have things in common with even if you aren't physically in the same place. So that can be your ADHD community, your mental health community, your neurodivergent community. 
And we will definitely post these resources in our episode description. Yeah, it's a chunky list. Yes, there is a very long list. It's chunky. It is. It's a big, big boy. It is a hefty, hefty, hefty list. Mm-hmm. I love my lists. You know I do. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a big one. Uh, but there's tons of resources on there for either ADHD-specific groups, resources to find those, or resources to find your physically local group. Those will be in the ep description for you to check out. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ariana. You're so welcome. I was going for Jean Ralphio, but I'll take that. Sure. Um, We also did want to touch on some unique opportunities for ADHD folks to contribute to mutual aid because it's not all about asking for help, even though that's an important thing. You can't just give or just take in the mutual aid framework. It's very important that like that's that's the first word in it. It's mutual mm-hmm. aid. Mm-hmm. And I do want to stress that it is okay to ask for help. Mutual aid is here for you to ask for help. It can be very, very hard for ADHD folks to ask for help, especially when you've been getting messaging your whole life that's saying, everybody else can do this fine, but you just suck it up. Just try Mm -hmm. harder. Mm -hmm. Why can't you do this like, quote unquote, normal people? I know for me, that has contributed to it being really hard to say, hey, I need help, Mm -hmm. but you deserve help. And I don't know, it helps me sometimes to just know that mm-hmm. it can be hard to ask for help, but it's okay. So I wanted to put that out there and Absolutely. say, if you struggle with that, you're not alone in that struggle, but you also deserve these resources. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think at this point, right, it's just hard to even talk to people, mm-hmm. let alone ask for anything, including help. Yeah. That, that's, oh boy. But at the same time, like, if there was ever a time to feel okay about asking for mm-hmm. help, it would be 2020. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. We all need that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one thing about mutual aid that is bringing it to the forefront right now. Obviously, people have used it specifically in the context of like COVID-19 relief, mm-hmm. but there's tangible relief there, but also just having that structure of community during this time that it is really hard to feel connected. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is important. Yeah. So you'd mentioned that there's lots of things that people with ADHD can bring to Oh, community. yeah. Can you... Can you run me through some of those? I would love to run you through some of those. Thank you. So there's no one specific type of aid that mutual aid is supposed to give. It's all about your strengths. And ADHD folks have a lot of those. Um, If you have a strength or a hyperfixation or a task that your ADHD makes you fantastic at, you can share that with your community. If you like to cook, you can provide meals or education. If you like to sew, make some masks. Mm -hmm. If you have the time and energy to support a parent or caregiver of a child who has ADHD, Mm -hmm. who's probably really struggling through online learning right now, that's super valuable. So yeah, whatever your strengths are. Play to them. Play to them. Yeah. Awesome. That's what I had for that. Uh, Rumor around town and by town, I mean the Google Doc. You have some tips on like how to actually 
make this kind of thing happen? Yeah, within, you know, my limited scope and expertise and based on more so personal experience Mm -hmm. and how Jordan and I have worked with our neighbors Mm -hmm. and with our community here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So like first things first, again, asking for help is very important. But some of you may be like, how do you even go about figuring out how to talk to people who you live near or who are a part of the same sort of online communities as you? Mm -hmm. And the answer is you just send a little note. Write a note, slap it on their front door, send an email or whatever preferred method of contact somebody may have online. I know that if you are wanting to reach out to us, mm-hmm. uh, our Twitter DMs are uh, wide just, open. I don't I don't actually know if my DMs are technically open. They should mm-hmm. be. Mine are. And we also have an email address. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, our if you find us on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter yep. email, like whatever, you know. Yeah, you can tweet at us, you can email mm-hmm. us. Um, but obviously, that's just us, mm-hmm. and that's the only people we can speak for. But send that DM, send the email, whatever method of communication is most appropriate. You know, just mm-hmm. reach out to people and, you know, just have some sort of... And I, I know, I know how rough this is because I know that's something that I struggle with is like, sometimes I don't understand and I don't know what social norms even are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I know that it legitimately is so hard to, for some people, myself included, to be like, what am I supposed to say to someone if I want to start creating some sort of coalition with them? And it's rough to, at least for me, to look at someone's open DMs and be like, how do I say, hi, I'd like to be in community with you. And here's what I can bring to the table. And here's what I know that you're, you know, what you have available to share with people that you've talked about. And I want to like have some sort of trade here you know <laughs> how do you say that that's that's a harder one mm-hmm. to sort of put in the list right yeah and so on that level that's why I guess I just stress of like make sure that if you're reaching out to people make sure it's methods of contact that they've openly talked about preferring yeah um, like you don't want to just like jump into someone's dms and immediately start being like I am struggling with xyz thing and I need this this and this Mm-hmm. And like that's that's not asking to be a part of a community. That's that's like a fourth, fifth, sixth step once you know people and that they're open to that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess basically just be considerate yeah. when you're asking people about those sorts of things or reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, another way. Oh, go ahead. I'll just say like another way that you can signal that right is on your own social media bio, uh, bios on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you find yourself. Openly talk about like here's some skills that I have that I want to share with Mm -hmm. community and here's the communities that I'm a part of and you know Mm -hmm. if you're interested in XYZ thing like let me know and follow people Mm -hmm. on social media like especially in such an online day and age Mm -hmm. follow people follow people who are friends and followers of those people make friends if you can like and that's so hard right yeah but so much of community is friendship and building relationships with people. Like, that's the crux of it. Yeah. And so I understand that can be really intimidating and difficult. It's hard, but it's mm-hmm. it's so worthwhile to put yourself out there like that. And I think to speak to that as well, you don't have to be like, I am doing a mutual aid. Who would like to mutually aid with me? I mean, you, can, you could. You could. <laughs> uh, more power to you. You can just start by saying, hi, this is me. 
I mean, and like you have an you example know, of that. Like, That's what we did with our neighbors. Yeah, like with our neighbors, we just wrote down our names, numbers, and like a quick little like, hey, we just moved in. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you need anything and whatever, what have you. And now we have a really decent relationship with uh, the other people who live in this house. You know, we all work collectively on the backyard and the garden. Our second floor neighbor has a dog who yeah. we just get to play. That's not like a aid thing we just get to play with the dog which is just a bonus um (laughs) yeah like we've we've watched uh the cat for our downstairs neighbor Mm -hmm. a few times you know and we we know that if we were in need of anything we could reach out to them as well Mm -hmm. and so you know that's a very small thing but But it's it's mutual aid it's mutual aid that that's mutual aid baby (laughs) that's it yeah, uh, another very concrete step that you can take is do what you're probably already doing and work on the things that bring you joy. Because the more that you work on your own skills and hobbies, the more you'll be able to provide for other people. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn how to garden or you just started learning how to garden or you've been gardening your whole life, put your hands in the dirt. Work I- on those skills. Work on those hobbies. Work on those things that bring you joy. You know, I don't. I don't believe in cure-alls as a concept, but if there was one, I think it would be putting your hands in the dirt. Yeah. Like, oh, man. And you can do that as a community, too! You know, like, it's so interesting to talk about mutual aid, right? Because it's so important. But what I feel like we're literally just telling people right now is, like, make sure that you're staying in touch and being in relationship with people and your, like, community and the planet that we live on. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're in connection with others around you. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. But like a lot of people at this point don't have that. Yeah. And or that's not always a worldview or sort of core value that Mm -hmm. a lot of us are raised with. You know what I mean? Well, and going back to that comment that you made earlier about how if you are living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to do that and your main worry is like, how do I feed myself? How do I feed my children? How do Mm -hmm. I keep a roof over? our head that can so easily and so understandably become your main focus that Mm -hmm. doing these things can become hard and that's super understandable oh yeah other concrete things that you can do uh i'm I'm hoping that this list is helpful and not just adding anxiety to you know an ever-growing list of things that you feel like you need to do or need to not do or anything like that um so just take all of this with a grain of salt uh big big pinch of salt yeah no this is really just based on my personal experience and jordan's experience as well Mm -hmm. that we talked about um another big thing is that if you have friends who are friends with other people in your sort of general community or area, just ask them if you can hang out with that group, right? Like hang out with them in the Discord or see if there's some sort of like events that they might be planning coming up. Because I think cliche as this is, but it is about who you know a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. if you have friends who are already doing this stuff, that's a huge leg up for you. Yeah. Um, But if you have nothing and no one to go off of right now, Mm -hmm. that's okay. So these are these are all really great ways of like getting into your community so that you can see the needs that mutual aid yeah can address. Is that what I'm? Yes. Am I understanding? Sorry, I thought that's what my list was. I thought that's what it was introduced as. Just like how to actually do it. Yeah. Um. Because I don't have concrete advice as to how to start like an official mutual aid fund. Because that's not what Jordan and I are talking about, right? right? This episode. This is about taking care of yourself and taking care of others around you. Yeah. Um, and we do have we do have some resources that will be in that that big old list. That darn 
sick list. Yeah, but we we could read it off to you, but that's bad audio. That's not yeah. That's, that's a bad podcast. And some people might be um, into that, but that's not that's not our thing. Uh, just know that there are resources that are like the practical how to start a mutual aid group. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Lex is giving us are a lot of great ways to get into your community so you have a better idea of what the needs might be and more connections to mm-hmm. give and receive. And yeah. those are all fantastic. Did you have any more of those? You uh, to- yeah, roundhouse kick. Um, yes. Redacted <laughs> right in the face if you see him. Stitch... <laughs> To channel. Yeah, he's not great at his job, is he? Uh, it's. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to encourage or incite violence towards elected officials. So if you heard me say that, no, you didn't. <laughs> but uh, if you are able to take direct action, so to speak, do it. Yep. So that's what we've got for mutual aid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a few quotes that I kind of set aside because when Jordan and I were talking about doing this episode, and especially considering the historical advent of mutual aid as we know it in our society now, Mm -hmm. starting with the Black Panther Party and in more recent years, the response to Hurricane Katrina, Occupy Wall Street, that's, you know, there's a lot of people in communities who have used mutual aid as a concept to take some of their power back and that's awesome but as we touched on a little bit earlier and as i think i pointed out but i do want to just reiterate mutual aid throughout history but especially in more recent times as we see it in the u.s it is a clear reaction to a complete disregard for sanctity of life Mm-hmm. But what it really comes down to is that the government that rules this country does not take care of many people. Mm-hmm. And that is especially, especially true of Black communities and Indigenous communities mm-hmm. in our country. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really think that we can't ignore that. And we can't ignore the work that Black people and specifically a lot of Black women mm-hmm. and Indigenous communities around this country have done the work to just take care of one another better. Mm-hmm. And And it is so, so deeply sad that we live in a world where this is the way that we have to take care of one another because there are a few select people who have all of the resources and power. Mm -hmm. And instead of using any of that to distribute amongst the community of people who are lifting this country and this whole globe. Like the fact that that's not a thing that mm-hmm. happens just normally, just mm-hmm. off the cuff, the fact that that's radical, that's batshit to me. Yeah. And so to honor that, I was trying to find a few of my personal favorite quotes about the idea of community. Yeah. Just to sort of leave y'all with like, um, Obviously, we're going to link some resources and we gave you some like, you know, pretty basic tips and tricks and a pretty basic outline of what mutual aid is. But I think the more that Jordan and I are discussing this and the more that I'm talking, the more I'm realizing that this episode is less about like, here's how you can get involved with mutual aid. And this Mm -hmm. is more about like, this is why this is so important. Yeah. But these are some of my favorite quotes about community. Yeah. The first one is from Bell Hooks in Yearning, Race, Gender and Cultural Politics. She says, one of the most vital ways we sustain ourselves is by building communities of resistance, places where we know we are not alone. Mm. I know, I know. Um, Audre Lorde once said, without community, there is no liberation, but community must not mean a shedding of our differences, nor the pathetic pretense that these differences do not exist. I don't feel like I need to like do a literary analysis of all of these things. Yeah, no, they 
they speak for themselves. Yeah, and this last one is less about community and more about agency mm-hmm. and what we can do by ourselves, but more importantly, what we can do together. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Angela Davis said, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all the time. And I just, yeah. you know, thank y'all for being so patient with us. And thank y'all for letting us talk into your ear holes about mutual aid. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of ourselves in the best way possible. And the best way possible usually to take care of ourselves is to take care of each other. Absolutely. I hope if you take anything away from this episode, it's that there is a community for you that needs what you have and has what you need. Speaking of working together, being in community, mm-hmm. can you take me not to the dopamine trampoline? Can you take me to the Shatterdome? Yeah, yes, okay. Oh boy, I would love to. <laughs> this, this is, in fact, the dopamine trampoline. It is. <laughs> Brace yourselves for this one, team. This is one of my all time favorites. Uh- so and it's so relevant. It's so relevant it to is. this week's episode. No, that's the thing. Is like that's that's why this is eternal dopamine for me. Uh, today, my dopamine trampoline and my all-time favorite movie <laughs> is Pacific Rim. Yes, the film directed by Guillermo del Toro, and this is so related to our topic of community because that's why this film is brilliant, and that's why this film punches me right in the heart every single time I watch it. It's true. Sob. She sobs. I, I, you know what? I do. It's really powerful. Okay. It's so good. It's so good. And like, that's, I will admit, I will be the first person to say when I first saw the trailer for Pacific Rim, I was like, this movie looks dumb. Like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to stop that now. Mm-hmm. I just saw like this hole in the ocean and some robots wrecking things and it looked really dramatic and I was like, that looks stupid. But then I saw it and I was like, okay, this movie has everything. Tell me. It has a kick-ass soundtrack with mm-hmm. one of the sexiest bass lines ever. You cannot tell me that the Pacific Rim theme does not get you pretty hype. Oh, definitely. There are definitely songs that get me more hype for sure. That's fair to each their but it, own. But it is a, just, it's a very hot baseline. It's a very powerful sound. Mm-hmm. It has gorgeous cinematography. It is so colorful. It is so creative. Yeah, get out of here with that post-apocalyptic, washed out bullshit. It's all dark and sad and boring. It's like, you don't have an excuse for that anymore. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro said, nuh-uh, no time for that. That's not the world. That's what the movie is about. It's like, it's visually, it's really bright. That's what the movie is all about, though. It's it's about the resilience of humanity. It seems ridiculous, but it is such a human impulse. Mm-hmm. It is so delightfully stupid and brave that they were like, oh, these giant space alien monsters that we know nothing about are coming up out of the Pacific Ocean. We're not going to lay down and die. We're not going to give up. We're not going to run away. We're going to build giant robots and punch them and i just think that's neat and i think it speaks to our generation a lot because it is this resilience and this bravery in the face of a very 
scary world. Mm-hmm. It is about making the best of that situation and following your heart. It is about the mortifying ordeal of being known. But instead of that getting you like a boyfriend or whatever, it gets you a giant robot powered by love. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen Pacific Rim or don't know what is happening right now, <laughs> uh, the general the general plot line as I understand it from the few times I've seen it. I'm going to try and I'm going to, I'm going to walk myself. Okay. I'm going to yeah, walk yeah. it through just to see Tell how me. it goes for you. Tell me how it hits. You know? I will. I will. Okay. So aliens come mm-hmm. out of the ocean. Mm-hmm. They're called the Kaiju. Mm-hmm. They're bad. Like they yes. might be like neutral, but for the intent and purposes, intents and purposes of this film, that is the antagonist. Yes. Is the giant, monster alien things coming out from like the core of the earth or whatever yeah and then this isn't supposed to be factual let it go i can see the i can see the the grimace it's not a grimace it's a like oh but it's really interesting because like there's the kaiju yeah. but then there's the precursors uh-huh. and there but, I'm, but I'm that's to- i'm gonna but gonna that's you know if gonna... no one if people haven't seen pacific rim mm-hmm. they're like what is huh so these aliens yes they start to destroy cities and kill people Mm -hmm. and do all of the big bad apocalyptic alien invasion type stuff Mm -hmm. and so in response because they can't be taken down by like any of our other military inventions as humans Mm -hmm. like nothing else seems to really do the trick so they build giant robots that are about the same size as a lot of the kaiju Mm -hmm. and because those robots are so large Mm -hmm. you have to have two people piloting them Mm -hmm. one piloting each half essentially and so for people to be able to pilot these robots which are called jaegers Mm -hmm. they have to be quote-unquote drift compatible Mm -hmm. and i will let jordan explain further but just so you know that's what's happening here is that these are literally robots powered by people being in some sort of relationship with one another It's literally soulmates creating the power to destroy the apocalypse. It's soulmates picking up a cargo container and using it as brass knuckles to punch an alien into space. Yes. It's incredible. And here's the thing about drift compatibility. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to take this one away from you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for letting me give the layman sort of Yeah, no, and you did did good. I think that that was a very good intro to Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to catch everyone up a little bit as to, like, what's happening. I appreciate that. And now, now we are going into, like, the Pacific Rim grad seminar. Okay. The drift compatibility is how able two people are to... Like, literally get on the same brain wavelength. And they share uh, what's called in the film a neural link. And that makes them able to pilot in tandem. So you have, like, the power of two people. But because they are connected by this neural link, they're piloting together. It's not like one person's doing half and the other person's mm, doing half. Okay. That, that's where I was like, wait a minute. That's, that's not, okay. I knew we'd get to it. Thank you. And... I think that that's the thing about Pacific Rim that really, really just butters my parsnips is how deep and uh, like very literally powerful, <laughs> like yeah. these people are powering a nuclear reactor with their love. Ah! But like how expansive drift compatibility is mm-hmm. because it's not just like, like there are people who are drift compatible who are married, like the Kadenovskis who pilot Chernobyl Alpha. That's the Russian Jaeger. There are 
co-pilots who are drift compatible who are siblings. There are pilots who are drift compatible who are parent and child. There are pilots who are drift compatible who are co-workers who just get along really well Mm -hmm. and work together really well. There Mm -hmm. are people who are drift compatible who are platonic soulmates. There are people who are drift compatible because they're in love and they've been working together for 10 years, but they haven't talked about it yet. She's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that is so, like, really genuinely, I think that that is so powerful Mm -hmm. to acknowledge the value of all of those relationships in a society that wants to categorize them and put them in a hierarchy and Mm -hmm. say, like, your spouse is the most important. And then below that is your kids. And then below that is your friends. And then below that is your coworkers. Mm -hmm. It's acknowledging that any two people can have that power and make of it whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is just, as always, a revolutionary. Oh, yeah. I think. If you disagree with me and Jordan, that's fine. You're wrong. You're deeply Enjoy that. You know, enjoy being wrong. But (laughs) Drift compatibility is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Well, and I think about other del Toro films, right? And not to get off on a tangent, but so much of his work is so centered on human connection. Mm Mm-hmm. And what lack of that can do to people mm-hmm. versus what overindulgence of false affection, mm-hmm. false love, false mm-hmm. a, a relationship of any type, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, y'all know this is the person who brought us Shape of Water and mm-hmm. Pan's Labyrinth. And, you know, I again, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it is really, it's really revolutionary, this idea that Jordan's talking about of like, and I know this is Jordan's dopamine trampoline, but it is... But I love that you're here with me. Yeah, well, and we it is one of those were... things where I like Pacific Rim. I have seen mm-hmm. both movies, mm-hmm. and I have enjoyed both movies mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I see it, and I'm like, yeah, that's rad as f***. Like, it is. It is. There's something so powerful. And I know maybe this is easy for us to say because Jordan and I are such good friends. We're absolutely drift compatible. Oh, so, so totally drift compatible. But like Jordan and I both are of sort of the opinion and worldview of like our friendship is just as important as say like my relationship with my partner, like mm-hmm. my romantic partner. Like they're, they're two different types of relationships, but they're both equally important and they're both equally you know, at least in my life, Mm -hmm. they're equally deserving of attention and effort, right? And so it is really just so in this day and age to see, it's just so powerful to see media where people are, you know, using human connection to further human resilience Mm -hmm. and human survival. Like it's just, it's, oh. And the fantastic thing too is that the film doesn't put any of those relationship dynamics in a box either. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, being a parent and child looks this way because Stacker Pentecost and Makamori have a very interesting, unique, nuanced relationship that it becomes a, a plot point almost that other characters don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Raleigh oh, and yeah. Yancey have a different relationship than the way triplets. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kadenovskis have a different relationship than Newt and Herman. And that's also a thing I love about this movie is that First of all, Bern Gorman and Charlie Day are fantastic in it. They're my favorite characters. I love them both so much. But I love that there's a movie where, like, the scientists are good people and they're right. 
and they get listened to. Like, yeah. I feel like not... You can only have one. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. like a it's like a choose two, but worse. Yeah. You yeah. can only choose one. Yep. I also love I just I love Herman Gottlieb a lot. I I love so valid. his parka. That's way too big. I just yeah. Yeah, I do. The dog, there's a really good dog in it too, Max the Pitbull. It's just this movie's got everything. It really does. This movie's got everything. Uh it is my number one favorite film. And that's my dopamine trampoline. I am so happy that you brought that. <laughs> Thank you. What I would like to know now is... I mean, we've established we are drift compatible. Oh, yeah, obviously. And as much as we work together well, I can't actually see what's in your head. So can you tell me what your dopamine trampoline is this week? I for sure can. It's time. It's time, everybody. Your dopamine trampoline is time? No, it's okay. Wow. Well, maybe, but not now. No. Um, <laughs> like time's jot, not real. What are you talking about? Jot that down for another idea. No. Um, <laughs> I say it's time because I feel like this has been a long time coming. This is only episode nine, but I feel like it's been nine episodes coming. Mm-hmm. It is time for me to talk about Letterkenny. Really? It is. It's this is the Letterkenny episode. We're really doing it. Uh, this is the starter. This is the beginning of what I assume will be many callbacks. Um, I know we've already had a few. We've already had some peppered in there. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for everyone who's made it this far, let's enrich them. What is Letterkenny? Letterkenny is a Canadian TV show, mm-hmm. previously a Canadian YouTube series, mm-hmm. that is hosted uh, currently on Crave and is in U.S. internet land on Hulu. And Letterkenny is a TV show about rural life in Ontario, Canada, in a small town called Letterkenny. There it is. Now stick with me, okay? Stick with me. And the the reason that I figured it's time is because, one, an episode where we talk about community really felt, (laughs) you know, felt on the nose a little bit, but... It's you could have talked about, about the show Community. That would have been more on the nose. I guess, but this is a show about a small community that takes care of one another, even if they don't always like each other that much. This is true. Um, but the reason that I wanted to talk about it, really, is because the news dropped that season nine will be dropping on Christmas Day in Canada and Boxing Day here in the US. Obviously, I will be playing around with my computer a little bit <laughs> and trying to... <laughs> get that all sorted on Christmas because I will not be uh, visiting my family or anything. Mm -hmm. So I will indeed want to have Letterkenny in my life. Yes. Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney are the writers and considered the two great minds behind this show. Okay. I know I've briefly talked about Letterkenny and I think in our bonus episode about suicide Mm -hmm. prevention and awareness. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get super in-depth, I don't think, but Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney are two dudes who are from Canada and Jared Kiso specifically is from a small town where he grew up uh, and he was almost in uh, professional hockey, sort of NHL level stuff, but then he decided decided to do acting instead um which is coming like, from somebody who decided to do acting as well 
dude, why? But also, like, seeing him do both and be so good at both, I'm like, yeah. how is that fair? Yeah. Uh, so here's That's, the thing. Yeah, no, that was more me being like, I didn't even have the option of being good at hockey. Why did you get both? Yeah, I think it's probably because he's Canadian, yeah. is my guess. But yeah. this show is about a few different groups of people who live in Letterkenny. We have the Hicks, we have the Skids, uh, the hockey players, and a few other assorted characters who get sprinkled in <laughs> throughout the seasons. <laughs> Uh, we, you know, we start to see people who live in the big city. We start to see people who live in Quebec. We see uh, Michigander in the eighth season. <laughs> Did you feel seen by that? No, because he's the worst. <laughs> this is true. Uh, we also have a lot of actual indigenous actors playing indigenous characters because there's a lot of overlap in uh, the plot with the nearest reservation mm -hmm. uh, to Letterkenny. And so that's like a huge thing. It's mm -hmm. about these different groups of people. They don't necessarily all get along. Uh, a big thing with Letterkenny is that it's very fast paced, full of really obscure and niche Canadian slang, and also just full of a lot lot of weird cultural references that are old and new. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of any of these characters' mouths. It is genuinely True. one of the hardest to follow at first shows. But as soon as you get into that rhythm a couple episodes in, it is hands down to me anyways, one of the funniest shows on television at this point. Like it's pretty much nudged its way into my favorite TV show of all time slot. Yeah. Tied with like Avatar the Last Airbender at this point. The range. Thank you. But the real crux of this show, it could be argued, is not the humor. It's not the niche Canadian rural experience that as someone who grew up in a very rural area of Michigan, a lot of it is very deeply relatable to me. <laughs> but it's, it's not necessarily about that, right? Like, that's all good. It's all funny. It's great. Uh, there's incredible cinematography. The mm -hmm. fight scenes, because a big plot point is that these people will just like brawl. <laughs> and the the scenes the sh like the shot for shot oh man like pound for pound each shot is just packed with so much delicious content oh it's gorgeous it's, like from a fight choreography standpoint is, i'm just like drooling it is from episode 1 right mm -hmm. out the gate it is so so incredibly good you know it's just so interesting to see this dichotomy of like very funny fast-paced mm -hmm. dialogue uh very funny physical comedy the comedy is all over the map like you have everything <laughs> from fart jokes and beer jokes to obscure references to canadian politicians from several years mm -hmm. ago there's hockey and I humor say, there's like their pop culture humor it's their callback game Oh, so good. Incredible. So good. Impeccable. Uh, always just the right amount of the joke. Not too much, not too little. It is so good. But the main thing about this show that really drew me in before I even knew it I found myself at the end of season eight, the most recent season mm -hmm. to have come out, which had a just an absolute banger for a finale. Oh, man. It was incredible. I wrote an entire essay on it. She did. I tweeted about it. If you feel like searching through my Twitter to find it, that's fine. We could also probably share it, but I don't want to get too thirsty for people to read it. <laughs> um, but I will I will say Jared Kiso liked it. So I do control our Twitter, so we'll see how, how Yeah, we'll see. It. We'll see. <laughs> All that said, I didn't even realize until I finished the show as it was out mm -hmm. how much I grew to care about these characters, how much I grew to care about their dynamic mm -hmm. together, how mm -hmm. much I grew to love this community in this show that is full of the most disgusting humor. <laughs> 
and also the most intelligent humor at times. Like, just the range. The range of it's this show is phenomenal. incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And I know I talked about, like, the cinematography of the fight scenes. Don't even get me started on any time that they do hockey game scenes because – those shots are, oh my gosh, and the soundtrack, the soundtrack absolutely slaps. There's a couple of different playlists of people it's who have like <laughs> sorted through like just the music that the skids dance to because the skids are like mm-hmm. the people who wear all black and do meth and deal drugs and are like, quote unquote, burnout washed up people who kind of stayed in the small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hicks are, you know, right what it says on the on the tin there, the people who work and live on farms and who are, for all intents and purposes, kind of set up as the protagonist group. Mm-hmm. And then we have the hockey players who are just in ca- canonically just so, 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 so stupid. Like Bless canonically them. the biggest himbos, all of them, the it's whole lot of them. The like, hockey players are just like one collective himbo. Like the er himbo, really. Really. It's, oh man, it's mm. the alpha and omega of himbos is the letter Kenny <laughs> Irish hockey team. Oh, is, um, bless them all. Yeah. So these communities are so different, right? They have these, these groups uh-huh. and there's so much conflict within them. But by the end of the show, as it's out now, mm-hmm. there's more coming. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's about protecting your people, mm-hmm. taking care of your your people, mm-hmm. being in community. And what better way to celebrate something like mutual aid than to look at the show where a constant quote that is thrown around through every single season is, if a man asks for help, you help him. That is a core tenant of these people. It it is. Is that they may fight internally, they may have their own interpersonal conflicts, but as soon as somebody tries to hurt them or someone they care about, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. That is, like, protecting their community is the most important. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. I mean, yeah, like every TV show, it's got some issues here and there because it's media. Mm -hmm. If you want to... If you want to watch media that's completely unproblematic, I don't know what you can see because yeah, we're humans. That's just... You can't possibly know every single person's story. Exactly. And so, you know, if it's not your thing, that's fine. But for me, Letterkenny is so deeply a part of my personality at this point, which, like, if you think that's an issue, like, literally, our personalities are made up of our interests. Some people just have more socially acceptable interests than others. So, like, get off my back. Yeah, it's about the love. Yeah. Uh, My whole essay was about the love of this community and what they have for one another and specifically one character who is deeply wronged in the season finale of the most recent season. And it's incredible. You know, Mm. uh, I think personally, this is one of the greatest season finales of any show, hands down, bar none, is the season eight finale of Letterkenny. That closeout scene left me speechless. And before I could figure out what was happening, I realized I was just crying just you know so deeply impacted and also like m83 they just seem to go into hibernation and then like once every couple of years (laughs) one of their songs will be used in a commercial or a movie just go completely off the shits they just yeah it's incredible incredible. that song goes yeah so hard yeah it's backed by do it try it by Mm -hmm. m83 which i think if i listened to it before watching letter kenny i wouldn't have necessarily had that same impact but that coupled with Mm -hmm. the pound for pound satisfaction of that last scene oh it's just so good and i i know that i'm i'm all sorts of fired up today but it's about the love it's about the community 
It's about taking care of ourselves and taking care of one another because they are the same fucking thing. And this year has sucked ass. Yeah. And we, and by we, I mean me and Jordan, making this podcast has been one of the few silver linings, I would say, of this whole year for us. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge reason as to why it has been actually such a, you know, not not just because we get to just be goofy and, you know, talk about stuff that's important or sometimes less important, right? Like, we can talk about whatever we want because it's a podcast. But the thing that has struck me the most as one of the most beautiful things is that we've gotten connected to so many other people. Mm-hmm you. We've gotten connected to you, our audience. Other people who have ADHD, who have loved ones who have ADHD, who maybe don't have diagnosed ADHD, but you think you might. And, you know, some of y'all who are just like, yeah, you're funny and I'm having a good time. And so I'm here to support. And that's great. And I think that's the whole point here. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. I think you articulated that really well. I'll just throw in my thanks as well to everyone who is listening or reading along yeah and fingers crossed we will all get through this trauma and if you're not getting through this trauma or you know people who haven't gotten through it i'm so sorry like this just sucks and it's okay to grieve but also like it's okay to find joy where you can Mm -hmm. uh and so do it do it try it do it try it like literally fuck around and find out (laughs) um anyways yeah we love y'all uh thank you so much for listening um yeah this has been or learn parkour from wholehearted production company yeah you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher etc places where cool people find their podcasts we're even on pod chaser now too okay. so that's 30 30 and thriving okay uh you can review us too there as well but we'll, we'll get to that later I do want to say a special thanks, as always, to Crecia Perito for our cover art. You can find her at Petalhop, that's P-E-T-A-L-H-O-P, on Instagram and Twitter and Etsy. She has some very cute Christmas stuff up yep. now. Check it out, y'all. Yep. On the thank you train, thank you to Tom Rosenthal for providing us with our intro and outro song, There Is A Dark Place, off of the album Keep A Private Room Behind The Shop. You can follow us on the social medias at or learn parkour on twitter at we are wpc on instagram and on the world wide webs at we are wpc.com all of that and more including transcripts sources resources and any other fun things that we might want to just throw your way will be in our episode description they sure will if you are enjoying this podcast and we hope you are please don't forget to subscribe to this feed on any of the pod apps is there a word for apps where you listen to podcasts? Uh, I think they just... Podcast apps? Podcast okay. apps. I don't... Yeah. I heard there's like pod catchers. Pod catchers. That's it. I heard someone say that the other day. But all that to say, you can subscribe to us on your favorite pod catcher. Neat. Yeah. And uh, on the note of supporting us, you can rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review us. It sounds like on Podchasers mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, share with friends and family if you feel so led. Uh, share with your social media following if you don't have friends or family you want to share with. I don't know. Share it if you want to. Um, And then if you are able, which right now, if you aren't, so valid. But so if you are able, if you are able, we do have a Ko-Fi and the link to that is in our link tree which you can find on both our instagram and twitter that is so correct uh before we skidoodle on out of this one i do have one last question for you lex okay since we did establish that we are in fact very drift compatible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what would our jaeger name be mm. 
I'm thinking. It can only be two words, though. It has to be two words. That's the system. Because it's like. Oh, I hate military stuff. Yeah. Like, generally, I. But it's military, like. But. Chernow Alpha, Lady Danger, mm-hmm. Crimson Typhoon. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have one? Because, um, like, I'm not the Jaeger expert here, apparently. <laughs> it's the closest thing to a technical skill I have. They're robots with science. Uh, I did have a long time to think about this, and I didn't come up with anything. I'm going to so, say, like... The weight. The weight is on me for this ending. Oh, no. I'm trying. I'm thinking of, like, words that I like. Like, Bravo is a good one, if we're looking at the, like... Alphabet words, you know. Mm, um, I don't know what any of those are. That's like, like Alpha, Bravo, w? Charlie, Whiskey, Whiskey. Oh yeah, yeah Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we were all on the internet in yeah. 2018. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say like, can I say Rainbow Tango? I was gonna say like Wango Tango, but that's a song from the <laughs> 80s, I think. I'm gonna say Rainbow Tango. Rainbow Tango. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Um, I'm thinking something Mamma Mia related. Mm-hmm. I and so I'm trying to like lead it there. It's just Colin Firth. Our Jaeger's <laughs> name is Colin Firth. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's correct though. It is it's done. It's that. just Colin Firth. You said it, and I don't want it to be true, but it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm Jordan. I'm Lex. We are Colin Firth, and this has been or learn We'll see you next week. It's just the Jaeger shows up and <laughs> it's just it's Da 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 da